Welcome, everybody, to episode 12 of the All Access USL podcast. Um, we're finally back, and this time, it seems like the schedule is working. I said every Thursday I'll be recording, and then um, hopefully by Friday morning, Friday-ish, the episode will be out. And for the second week in a row, I am sticking to it, so I'm very, very happy about that. It has been an absolutely exciting week um, with USL Championship play going on, some new transfers happening. Um, uh, Before I recorded this, um, Orange County announced the loan signing of Ian Hoffman from the Houston Dynamo, so that'll be um, interesting to see um, in their next upcoming game for sure. He is a young, he's versatile, so still has a lot of room to grow. Seems like Orange County will have um, plenty to do with him. It seems like that's a good place for him to grow in general. Um, And it seems like even though they've only brought in two loans, it seems like they're starting to put that Kobe Henry money to use. Obviously, they're not going to put all of it to use. Some of it has to stay for the club, but it seems like they are going to start putting some of that money to work um, to help rebuild the squad that very clearly um, needs a little something. Um, And this week, I also did something a little different. I'm not going to go through reviews and previews of every game there's more i want to talk about this week other than just game reviews and previews so i kind of picked out the games i wanted to review that i feel like had the biggest impact or were surprising or stuff like that and then preview wise i kind of did the same thing games that i think are ones to watch really need to pay attention to in terms of will this team be able to bounce back will this team be able to build something off of the last game uh, will this team be able to start something here? A good opportunity to start like a winning streak, a good opportunity to start a playoff push if they're low on the table, um, stuff like that. Will they be able to keep up a, a, like a winning streak? There aren't that many teams in the league that are on long winning streaks, so that doesn't really apply. But yeah, stuff like that. Seeing how teams are doing um, before these games and determining if it feels like this is a big game for them. Obviously, it'll be big games for everybody, but for some teams, these games will be bigger than others. Um, But other than that, that's kind of what this episode will be about. Um, I know I'm kind of previewing the episode here, but I also will have a section where we talk about my um, best MLS affiliate club products that are playing this season. So players that have come from like SKC2, um that came from like Tacoma Defiance when they were around that have come from New York Red Bulls too that have come from I'm trying to think Atlanta United too players like that I want to kind of showcase that even though um I kind of look down upon the uh, MLS affiliate and second clubs in the league they do produce very very high quality players that contribute to the USL championship that are fantastic in the championship and then can even move abroad, play in MLS, stuff like that. Quality players. But for this portion, we're going to focus on players that are still within the league and then maybe in another episode, we can go farther and look at players that even um, moved abroad. So that'll be something to look out for. But something I do want to point out is I did post on Instagram my all-time, or not all-time, my current 
MLS and USL Championship 11. So this is players who have played in the USL Championship uh, who currently or currently or this season have played in the USL Championship but have also played in the MLS at some point in their career. And I also threw in Didier Drogba because I had to. Um, I know he's obviously still not playing, but he was just fantastic. So we just threw him in there for fun. <clears throat> so 10 players. In goal, we have Jan Kempen. There were a couple of players I could have put in here. I could have put in Ben Lunt, um, but I decided not to. He's still young, still has more to prove. Jan Kempen, I feel like, even in a short time with San Diego, was immense for them, especially in their inaugural season on loan. Um, there weren't many options for goalkeeper, so I feel like Jan Kempen was the best option to go for. Um, I put Carl Wiemet in at center back. I did a three at the back with Carl Wiemet, Alex Cronali, and Connor Maloney. Connor Maloney, obviously, with the San Antonio FC. Cronali with the Birmingham Legion, and then Carl Wiemet with Detroit City FC. At CDM, I put a recent acquisition for San Antonio FC. I put Jordi Delem. He was very, very good with Seattle, and he's been very decent with San Antonio FC as well. I think when he gets acclimated, he will be um, one of their key players this season. Um, I then did a four-man attacking midfield at left mid. I put Antoine Hopeno. I know he wasn't like an exact starter with Louisville in his time there, but off the bench, he was a great impact sub. He was immense, and he was decent when he played in MLS as well. At right mid, it's another... Um, recent addition to the USL Championship from MLS. It's Florian Vallo. I know Miami have not been great this year. And I know Florian Vallo can play better, but he was all right with the Airway Bulls. He was not great with Cincinnati. But I think he has every opportunity to be better with Miami. And there weren't that many options for right mid currently in the league. I think the two center attacking mid options, center mid, center attacking mid options, are pretty straightforward. Cameron Lancaster has been absolutely fantastic. Did spend a little bit of time in MLS, but mostly in USL. And he has been absolutely fantastic with Louisville um, down here. So had to put him there. And then Mark Anthony Kay, who also played with Louisville in his time in the USL Championship and is now obviously a key part of the Canada men's national team and um, the Colorado Rapids, of course, having also played with LAFC. And then up top, another Birmingham Legion player is Juan Agudelo, a very good MLS player, and I have no doubt that he will be a big contributor to any success that the Birmingham Legion have. So that's kind of the run-through of my uh, USL Championship and MLS current best 11. Um, I put it up on Instagram, obviously, all access USL, but I wanted to kind of explain my picks, why I picked them, because I felt it was only right, because some of you might not understand why I picked them, so decided to go through it. But we are going to start with the best MLS affiliate club products this season. I have like six or seven who I feel have been outstanding, um, and we're just going to go right into it. Um, number one, I'm sure many of you will not be surprised, it's Mishi and Galena from the Colorado Springs Switchbacks, obviously formerly of Sporting Kansas City 2 when they were in the league. 13 appearances this season, 7 goals, 4 assists, have been, has been, and will continue to be, one of the key 
um, switchbacks players this year. I think last year, even though Haji Berry does have six goals and six assists, we're seeing the weight slowly be lifted off Haji Berry's shoulders. And now Mishi and Galena, Cam Lindley, Elvis Amo, all these players are starting to um, play well together. And obviously Mishi and Galena is a new addition to Colorado Springs. But this year, that attacking force in Colorado Springs seems to be so much better than last year. And Mishi and Galena has been a big part of it. Mainly a left winger, can be a bit versatile. He's very clinical. He's quick. He's decisive. He's agile. Everything you would want from a young left winger. He is going to be fantastic in years to come. Um, it seems like he is also a player who could easily get a move away from the USL Championship. I don't think he's exactly going to be a D Diego Luna type situation where he goes to MLS. But it seems like it could be, honestly, a Kobe Henry type thing where he does get that move abroad first. I think Diego Luna made the right decision going to MLS first over abroad, but I think Misha and Galena would um, benefit from a move abroad first. But absolutely fantastic. Definitely my number one, I would say. He's my number one. The rest are in no particular order. Um, next up, we have Enosh Mushagalusa, who I would kind of say is a very close replica of Mishi Ingolina. He hasn't had the same output in a probably equally as good team, but that's because Louisville are so well-rounded that other than Cameron Lancaster, nobody really has insane stats other than Wilson Harris. Wilson Harris has been an outlier this year. He's been fantastic for them. But he's been, you know, Shmusha Galusa has been quietly good for Louisville this season. He is also formerly of Sporting Kansas City 2, Currently on 14 appearances this season with three goals and two assists. Again, he is quick, um, and he is a very good passer in the final third. He's also decisive as well. I wouldn't call him as clinical. I think Mishi Ingolina can get the shot off in better areas, can find the corners um, easier. But Mushi Galusa, a passer of the ball in the final third, very, very good. And I also wrote down, obviously, comparable to Mishi Ingolina. Um, came from the same academy, play the same play in the same position primarily. Mushagalusa is a bit more versatile than uh, Ingolina. Ingolina, I believe, only can play on the left and down the center. Sometimes well, Mushagalusa can play all across the front. So adds one, one more position possibly to play him in. But yeah, Mushagalusa has been good this year. I'm excited to see how he continues on with Louisville. For sure. Next up, we have Jake LaCava. Now, I'm sure this won't come as a surprise either. He has been very good for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. On loan from New York Rebels 2. And I believe I've said this before, but I don't really understand what the point was of loaning out Jake LaCava to a different side. I'm sure it's because uh, New York Rebels 2 wanted to focus more on Jordan Adebayo-Smith and Jeremy Raffanello. And while they have both been pretty good, it seems like bringing back Jake LaCava would be a good option. He has been very good for Tampa Bay, but it helped boost morale at New York Rebels too. And they'd play better with him. I have no doubt that adding Jake LaCava back into this New York Rebels 2 side would be a great idea. Um, currently on 16 appearances this season for Tampa Bay, six goals, three assists. Versatile player, can play almost anywhere. 
clinical. We've seen in some of his shots this year that he has an eye for goal. Um, and that is exactly something you want, especially from a winger. Obviously, you want that from your forwards, but having a winger who is clinical whilst also being able to put in a good ball is a huge bonus. And Jake LaCava is that this seems like a player who will be a could be and is already starting to become a be to be a top tier USL championship player. And I'm very excited to see um, where he goes in his career. I he could be an MLS player, absolutely. But I'm kind of trying to not base players on how good they will be in MLS because this is, is a USL championship player or this is a USL championship podcast. So I'll say that he could definitely reach the top heights of USL championship caliber players for sure. Um, so yeah, Jake LaCava, Enosh Mushagalusa, Misha Ingalina, kind of building like a dream young front three so far. But with our next player, we are moving to left back, and it's a player who has been kind of showing off in the past couple games with Atlanta United 2. It is the left back, Rymar. Only seven appearances on the season, but three goals and two assists. That's five goal contributions in only seven games for Atlanta United 2. And this is an Atlanta United 2 side who have been searching for goals um, and have been searching for something defensively and have just been searching for a spark in general. They do have young talent, but Rymar has been that spark. Again, very versatile. He is attack-oriented. And from a left-back or from a fullback, that's exactly what you want. You want your fullbacks usually to get up and down the sidelines. Um, it depends on how attacking you are, but Rymar has been right up there. So big ups for Rymar. He could use some defensive work, and that's obviously going to be something that we point out with this um, pretty defensively poor Atlanta United 2 side. But, you know, what can you say? He has been super big for Atlanta United 2 this season in only his seven appearances, and it seems like he can only get better, hopefully, as Atlanta United 2 start to pick up some more results um, this summer. Next up, we have Justin Dillon. Um, currently plays for San Antonio, formerly of the now no longer in the league Tacoma Defiance. 13 appearances, 5 goals, 2 assists. Um, he is kind of this the core of the San Antonio FC um, attacking uh, force. He is a target man, and he is fantastic with his feet. For someone like him to be good with his feet, to get that shot off quickly, to find the corner easily um, while continuing to be a target man with those one-touch finishes and stuff like that. It's incredible. He really is a very well-rounded striker for this league. And it's no question that he deserves um, to be at San Antonio, who are clearly one of the best attacking sides in this league this season. And he has just been able to find that finish every time for them. And I feel like talking about Justin Dillon, you don't really need to. You know what you're getting with him. He is a top quality um, USL championship striker. Sometimes you bring in players from other leagues and you think, oh, they'll tear it up easily. We thought that with, I'm going to use his name again, Eric Kubo Torres, but he has just not been it. But Justin Dillon, you know what you're going to get every time. You know you're going to get like 15-ish to 20-ish goals 
So for San Antonio to have him, big coup for them and big ups for Justin Dillon. I'm sure he's going to continue to tear it up this season. And then last on the list, we have Wilson Harris with Louisville. Again, another former SKC2 player. Currently on 15 appearances this season with 7 goals and 3 assists. He is highly technical. He is a finisher and he is clinical. And he is a dribbler. A very, very well-rounded um, striker in a different way than Justin Dillon. Justin Dillon is more of a target man, a well-rounded striker. Wilson Harris is a technically gifted, like dribbling type striker. He can score from long range. He can get in close and find that tight finish. He is just exactly what Louisville need. And that's the thing. Justin Dillon fits how San Antonio play. Wilson Harris fits how Louisville play. Um, they both complement their teams perfectly. And that's why they've both been able to thrive this season. Um, and Wilson Harris, at a young age, seems like he is bound to be a quality, at least, USL championship player. With that, that is my list. Um, and we are going to take a quick break before I head into the reviews and previews. And we are back. And we are going to head right into the reviews um, of some games from this past week. A lot of interesting results. Um, that is to be sure. But actually, first, I am recording this before the Friday night games. So I don't know if I'll be able to get to those. Maybe, well, I'll get to those in next week's episode. If I feel the results are, you know, well, obviously, they'll be interesting. But if I feel like something crazy happened, stuff like that, um, yeah. I might get to them, might not, we shall see. But yeah, a lot of craziness happening in the league throughout this past week. Um, with Phoenix, I think we saw what we can expect from Phoenix the rest of this season. We saw a team that has the talent, um, but does not have the cohesiveness to get out a result. Um, with RGV... I think I was probably wrong on them. They have fight in them. They have massive amounts of fight in them, um, especially with their result. With Charleston, they have fight too. They may not have shown it in the opening like eight to ten weeks, but they're starting to put something together-ish. Take that with a little grain of salt. Um, they are not out of the clear yet. They're still 13th in the East, but Charleston are building a little something there. Four points from a possible six in their last two games. Um, and with the result that they just got, that we'll get to in a minute. Not looking too bad um, comparing to the rest of the season that they've already played. Hartford have shown that they are capable of being a good team. Um, San Diego, I think, are going through a little bit of a faulty period right now. It happens with every good team, usually every season. Um, they go through this phase where it seems like they might lose it, but they'll get it back. I have no doubt that San Diego will get it back. Las Vegas, on the other hand, are churning out good result after good result right now. And at the beginning of the season, it seemed like it was a fluke because of how they managed to mess it up. Um, in the following weeks, but now they're starting to put some good results together, and I don't know what to think of Las Vegas. And then we saw Memphis be Memphis, and we saw Tulsa be Tulsa. So that's kind of a little rundown, but we'll go in depth 
starting right now. We start off with Loudoun United 4, Phoenix Rising 3. This is kind of the feeling of both of their seasons. Loudoun United, Loud, wow, don't know what just happened there, but Loudoun seemed to be playing spoiler this year with the results they've been able to pick up, and it seems like in their next game they'll be able to do that too. Again, we'll get to that. Um, but they drop Phoenix at home. And this is a Phoenix side who were looking for something, anything. This is a Phoenix side that should have came out and thrashed Loudoun United after a borderline embarrassing loss at home to El Paso. This loss just makes that even worse. It's Aiden Quinn in the ninth minute to give Phoenix the lead. Um, but that would be the only goal they scored until the 90th minute. Loudon would score four unanswered with a brace from Abakura in the 32nd and 58th minute. And Sammy Gadiri, their left back, just a minute after Abakura's brace is put on the board, he scores as well in the 59th minute. And then it's Tyler Freeman in the 83rd minute. All players as well who have had something to prove this year. Abakura, obviously coming up through the DC United Academy, playing with Loudon. Uh, Sammy Gadiri, who came in on a free from Inter-Miami, looking for some first-team minutes. And then Tyler Freeman, who's coming um, from an academy, wants to make a play, wants to show what he can do. And here he is. So good for all of them. Um, but then it's a Landry own goal in the 90th minute um, and then another Aiden Quinn goal in the 93rd minute the third minute of second half stoppage time that gets Phoenix up to 4-3 but it's not enough Loudon take all three points and jump higher in the table they jump to 10th in the east might get a nosebleed up there to be completely honest but they've done a good job with the players that they have I have to say Phoenix on the other hand very clearly have been poor this year I don't know if it's going to turn around um because I thought this game would turn it around but now I'm not so sure they could very easily lose the next game and this season could turn into a drag really fast when it seemed like it could be one of their most promising seasons where they finally get to that USL championship final and title win but at this point I don't know they're out of the playoffs and it seems like it could continue to be that way I would start to be worried if I were a Phoenix fan. Loudon, you guys are putting in some good shifts, getting some good results. You could push. I don't see it happening. But slight optimism if you are a Loudon United fan for sure. Um, next up, RGV versus Pittsburgh. And I don't know what the – like RGV are a decent side. It's a mix of youth. It's a mix of experience. It's a mix of a lot of MLS experience and USL Championship experience as well. And Pittsburgh is just a really quality team overall. They have kind of what RGV have, but better. But RGV come in and put in a fantastic shift, shut out Pittsburgh at home, and gain the win through a 34th minute Ricky Ruiz goal. For RGV, this could be... The recent results could be the start of something pretty decent. For Pittsburgh, I don't think 
this is going to see them start slipping down the table. I think Pittsburgh in general have the quality where they don't have to exactly worry about that. But it's not a Phoenix situation. It's absolutely not a Phoenix situation. But with a few more losses, it could turn into that, where they have the quality, but the cohesiveness, the teamwork, the play on the field, it just is not there. And no matter the talent on the field, they just start sliding down the table. I don't think they're going to get there this season, but a few concerning losses here and there for Pittsburgh for sure. So I would keep an eye out on that one, absolutely. Next up, Tampa Bay, Charleston. And this was a interesting game. Uh, Tampa Bay take a 1-0 lead through Leo Fernandez in the 34th minute. And then it's Augie Williams in 63rd minute to equalize for Charleston and get Charleston their fourth point from a possible sixth in their last two matches. And Augie Williams has been fantastic in their past two games. Um was fantastic against Pittsburgh, gets the goal here. Charleston seemed to be maybe building something that could progress their season. Tampa Bay, um, I think this is just a little slip-up. I think they'll be back at it next uh, match day for sure. They showed um, last year that they were fantastic. They're showing this year again that they're very good. So I think this is just a little bit of slip-up. But Charleston coming in. Fighting, getting that point away from home against very tough opposition, especially after dominating and destroying Pittsburgh at home. Um, last time out, very impressive from a Charleston side who have not been impressive for the um, since pretty much before these first two games. So big ups to Charleston. Tampa Bay, I think they'll be back at it uh, next time out. Next up, Atlanta United 2, and I know I just praised Rymar, um, but not a great game for Atlanta United 2. They lose 3-0 at home to Hartford, thanks to goals from Purpa in the 42nd minute, Johnson in the 75th, and Brewitt in the 80th. A fairly standard win, I would say. You would think Hartford should win this game, and they do win this game, even though Hartford have not been great this year. Um, they come in, they get the easy win. Atlanta United 2, disappointing with that, but... Again, it is an MLS affiliate team. They'll move on. I think most of these MLS affiliate teams are more focused on getting players minutes than results um, most of the time. But Hartford should be happy with that win. This should give them some momentum, especially putting up three goals from an offense who have not been firing on all cylinders um, for the beginning half of the season. Um, puts Hartford in a decent place as well. Puts, pushes them up. Um, decently in the table. Doesn't put them um, super close to a playoff spot. I don't even think they'll get there. Um, it seems like they're getting the easy results um, against the um, not-as-great teams, and it seems like they're struggling against the better teams. It seems like Hartford will be a middle-of-the-road side as we finish the season. Atlanta United 2, well, they have been able to put in quite a few decent shifts this year. Some standout performances from players it seems like Atlanta United 2 will be towards the bottom of the East. Uh, and I think a result like this kind of compounds that. So next up, we have the San Diego Loyal against Las Vegas Lights. Now, San Diego take the lead through Alejandro Guido in the seventh minute. But it is Las Vegas 
taking the win again through two um, LAFC Loneys and Cal Jennings in the 17th minute and Trejo in the 68th minute. Um, and the LAFC Loneys have kind of been the lights' saving grace this season for sure. Um, they most recently brought in Eddie Segura for what I believe is to be a short-term loan. Um, but, man, they are turning into kind of a force if these LAFC loanies can continuously turn up every week. And if Eddie Segura does see some game time, it is going to be tough to break Las Vegas down. Uh, in the short term, I think they'll be decent with Eddie Segura in the, field, um, in the team, I should say. Long term, uh, I don't exactly know if they're a playoff team. They could be. They've showed glimpses that they should be or could be, but I don't know. It all depends on the consistency, and so far the consistency has been non-existent in Las Vegas. So it's just going to have to be a week-by-week thing where if it's win-loss, 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 probably not. Obviously, if it's losses week in, week out, no. If they can start to build something and stay consistently playing good, then yeah, playoff team all the way. Uh, they have the quality. It just depends on can they do it every week. And so far, they haven't really been able to do it. So we'll have to see. And then San Diego, I f- they seem to be, like I said earlier, aside going through a little dip in form, but they have the quality. And they've had that ability to play together on the field. We've seen that in games past. So I have no doubt that they'll be able to bounce back after this loss. And lastly, for the reviews, we finish with a game that happened last night. Actually, Memphis 901 taking a 2-0 win over Tulsa. A Tulsa side that just traded Joaquin Rivas to Miami. Miami looking for some attacking reinforcements, which they absolutely need. Tulsa lose one of their best forwards, but gain Sean McFarland Jr., who will be some much-needed defensive depth. But... Wasn't able to play in this game and was not a great defensive game in general for Tulsa, uh, which has kind of been the story of their season so far, or part of the season, part of the story of their season so far. Um, They also have not been great offensively. They just haven't been great in general. Memphis, on the other hand, put in another fantastic 90-minute shift, get the 2-0 win thanks to goals from Smith and Smith in the 14th minute and Derek Dotson in the 84th minute. And they jump back top of the East over Louisville. And this feels like a Memphis team who will stay there. I know it's still, uh, we still have a long way to go. But this Memphis team feels like a perfectly put together side. That they just all know what their roles are. They know how they need to play. They know the tactics. They can put in the shift week in, week out. This is one of the most consistent teams I may have seen in a while that is not a team named Louisville, Phoenix, or Tampa Bay, which I'm absolutely in love with, and I love seeing Memphis atop the East. So I hope they honestly continue this trend and can stay top of the East because it's an absolute sight to see, especially some of the football that they are playing. It is lovely to watch, and I hope it continues. With that, we are done with the reviews. We will now move on to the previews for some big games coming up. Um, First off, we have 11th in the East Hartford against 2nd in the East Louisville. 
Hartford coming off of that 3-0 away win over Atlanta 2, while Louisville are coming off of that 3-1 home win over Orange County, a big win against not great opposition, uh, opposition that are struggling massively. But this feels like a game, um, even though Louisville got a fairly straightforward win and Hartford got a decent win, this feels like a game that Louisville will win easily. Um, Louisville have that quality. They have that attacking prowess. Hartford have not been great defensively this year. I know saying off, coming off of a 3-0 win, that sounds weird, but in general, Hartford have not been great. So I think Louisville take this one pretty easily. I'm going to say a reverse result of Hartford's win over LA United 2. I'm going to say Louisville take this win. Uh, 3-0. Next up, we have 5th in the East, Pittsburgh Riverhounds up against 3rd in the East, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Pittsburgh are winless in five. Um, that's where I'm saying this. They're not exactly Phoenix concerned yet, but it could be getting there soon. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, third in the East, unbeaten in six. This is a this is going to be a battle. A Pittsburgh side that needs a result. A Tampa Bay side that granted also needs a result, but not as much pressure to get the result here as Pittsburgh have. But it is Tampa Bay, and it is Pittsburgh. And I think Pittsburgh kind of have Tampa Bay's number. I'm going to say Pittsburgh get the 1-0 win here over Tampa Bay, are able to get some of that pressure off them. They play more freely this game. They get that result. It might be a bit tight at the end, but I think Pittsburgh get the 1-0 win. Tampa Bay, a 1-0 loss against Pittsburgh, who have not won in five. Disappointing result, especially after a home draw to Charleston, but it's Tampa Bay. They're very good. If this is the result that we get, Tampa will bounce back. We know that. We know their quality. Um, their dips are very rarely longer than like two match weeks. So, But I think Pittsburgh are able to pull one over on Tampa in this game. Next up, we have Orange County who have four losses in a row, I believe. I wrote four wins in a row. Absolutely not. Four losses in a row. And Loudon, who came off of a 4-3 home win over Phoenix. Um, Orange County should very much win this game, but I they're not. I can almost guarantee you that they're not. I feel like this is a game for Loudon to win. Just like it seemed like Phoenix should destroy Loudon in that last game. But it almost felt obvious that Loudon were going to win. And it feels the same way here. Orange County have the absolute quality to get an easy win here. But it just feels like a game that Loudon are going to take. Loudon's resilience is incredible. And even though Orange County have that talent, they just don't know how to use it. And that's why I think Loudon United are going to get a 2-1 win um, at Orange County. It'll be a devastating loss if Orange County lose this game. Could see the end for their manager um, we could see a lot of rotations in games after this if this result does stick um, to see players get more game time but if losses like this continuously happen like if they are to lose this game it is going to be an even bigger drag this season than Phoenix this season I'd say so loud and though I think you guys are going to get it done so, if you do, good for you guys. Next up, a very intriguing game. It's a battle of the poor defenses 
Tulsa winless in six, currently ninth in the East. Charleston 13th in the East, coming off of a 3-0 home win against Pittsburgh and a one-all draw away to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. This game feels like it will end in a draw. Um, and it seems like it'll end in a nil-nil draw based off of how um, poor their defenses are and how not great their um, offense has been. So a straightforward game, I'd say, but it has the opportunity to be insane. If both teams come out sharp, this will be a high-scoring game. We're talking like a 5-4 type game. Um. Do I necessarily see it happening? No. Is it a possibility? Yes, and that's why I put it on here because there is that possibility that both teams are on fire. Both defenses are poor as they have been notorious for this year, and this just turns turns into like a legendary game this season. But my conservative prediction is that it's going to end nil-nil, and this is a game that we will forget about. But I put it in here because of that factor that it seems like it could be high scoring. Next up, we have first in the east, first in the east, Memphis 901 coming off of that 2-0 home win over Tulsa um, against Detroit City FC coming off of a one-all home draw to El Paso. Very different teams. Memphis seem to be playing very wide, um, very freely. Detroit very compact, um, but they have been fantastic getting the ball and moving it around. So this will be an intriguing game. And I don't think we'll see a winner here either. I think a two-all draw is what's going to separate the sides. Uh, both sides taking away a decent point. And I know I just praised Memphis for a side that, um, you know, have been very good this year and will most likely continue to be good this year. But I think this will be one of their toughest tests of the year. I think this will push them to their limits. And I think it'll be the same for Detroit. I think this will be a fantastic game. I don't want to hype it up too much in the fact that it could not be great, but I think both sides bring so much to the table that it's going to be very good. And I think a two all draw is what we will see here. Next up, we have third in the West San Diego loyal against the Indy 11 San Diego loyal coming off of that two, one home loss to Las Vegas and Indy coming off of a four, three away loss to Colorado Springs two losses that one you would expect from Indy 11. One you wouldn't expect from San Diego Loyal. Um, I think this is going to be a straightforward game as well. I just put it on here because it's an interesting game. These sides have not faced off yet, so decided to put it on here. I think San Diego takes game 2-1. Uh, fairly straightforward win. Um, seemingly would be a compliment to how both teams' um, seasons are going. San Diego able to get that gritty win. Indy falling short just barely, but will continue to maybe be in that playoff race because they are a decent side and have been able to put together some strong performances this season. So we'll see how that game goes. And to finish off, we have 13th in the East Charleston, and this is on June 29th against 12th in the East Atlanta United 2. Um, this is a game that I feel like could set the tone for the rest of the season. Charleston with a win here and with a result against Tulsa, could start to separate themselves from being like the not great batch of the East. If they don't get, I'd say four points from these games, then I think they kind of sink back into that um, like worst of the East argument and um, 
kind of their hopes of making that push start to fade away. But I think Charleston will get the win here. I think they will get those four points. I think a slight push, um, some slight momentum is coming their way. I think they get a 2-0 win here over Atlanta United 2. And I think they can start to build something of their season after. So we'll see how this goes. We'll see how all these games go. Very exciting weeks coming ahead. Um, and before I go, I want to let you guys know that I'm very excited. I'll be heading to my first USL Championship game on July 9th, uh, I, it'll be Louisville City FC against New York Rebels 2 at Lynn Family Stadium. I'm so excited. So if you guys want to meet up, you know, DM me on Instagram, all access USL. I'm very excited to hopefully meet some of you guys. Um, and I'm excited to head to my first USL championship game. Um, so yeah, big plans ahead, um, especially in the month of July. So with that, thank you guys for listening, and I will see you guys for next week's episode.